That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brandon Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte coming to you eventually as all of our technical difficulties from Nashville have followed us back here to Baltimore. I feel very far away. We're incredibly table. far away. It's a big table. This is not as intimate of a setting as we had before. No, this is incredibly far away and... For everybody walking in the halls, they'll now be hearing us because we're going to be yelling at each other. We're going to have to yell. Yeah. It's the only way we'll be able to converse yeah. on this show. Happens. It is what it is. Yeah. We leave winter meetings in Nashville, and there wasn't a ton of big, exciting things. The Juan Soto trade got finalized to the New York Yankees kind of anticlimactically. It was he like, buried. oh, yeah, he's getting traded. Yes. And, oh, wait, the Padres have to look at a bunch of physicals. And, oh, wait, now he actually got traded. Yay. Slow burn. Very slow burn. And then we come back to find out that Shohei Otani has signed a 10-year, $20 million deal, which feels a little bit low yeah. for Shohei. Really I really thought he was going to get more. <laughs> 20 over 10 for that guy? Yeah. I mean, they, they fleeced him, really. They, they really did. Now, Shohei Otani, of course, getting $700 million. That's closer to a billion than it is zero. You're right about Fun that. Fun fact. You are right about that. <laughs> I mean... A lot of the projections for Shohei were 550, 560. Yeah. You get $700 million. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, there's not a lot of breaking that one down other than saying, wow, that's a lot of clients. Other than saying he's making $20 million a year over the, or I'm, so, I'm sorry, $20 million total over the 10 years that he is actually playing baseball for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's going to get those endorsements, though. He, oh, he will. I, I, I'm not. I'm not thinking he's going to be strapped for cash <laughs> over those first ten years. But pretty amazing that deal there with the Dodgers. Other things around the stove. Nothing crazy. Jamer Candelario to the Reds on a three-year deal. Good for Jamer. Had a nice yeah, bounce back season Jamer. with Washington. Good for him, man. Will Smith to the Royals on a one-year deal. Not watch, the catcher. Watch out for Kansas City. I mean, he's won a World Series everywhere he has gone the last three years. Yeah. So Kansas City, Dark Horse. It's really wherever they trade him right? at the deadline. But, uh, yeah. Nah, Dark Horse. Sticking sure. with Kansas City. Sure. Eduardo Rodriguez, potential Orioles target, goes to the Diamondbacks on a four-year deal. It was right around the range that we had guessed for Erod at four for 80-ish range. Yes. Goes to Arizona. They're making, they got a little nice little rotation down there yeah. in Arizona. Yeah. Um, World Series team. Not bad. Bolstering up. And then Juan Soto, of course, officially to the Yankees. He's a Yankee, yes. The stove's still not scorching, but with Shohei off the board, things are probably going to start moving here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, um, Giants got Jung-Hoo Lee. Yeah. There's that. There was uh, that. Six years, 18-8 AAV, I believe, or 18-3. Um, I thought it was a pretty good deal for the Giants. I think that guy's going to be pretty good, and uh, they got him on a relatively cheap deal. He does have also the coolest nickname. What is that? I don't in know. sports. It. Grandson of the Wind. No way. He's the grandson of the wind? He's the grandson of the Who's wind. Who's his dad? Son of the Wind. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. His dad's nickname, Son of the Wind. So does that make his grandfather the wind? Maybe. His grandfather is just the wind. It might be. That's crazy. Yeah. Pretty sweet, though. Yeah, that is sweet. Now, 
Bones, last week we we did do a show in Nashville. We did from my hotel room. Uh, the audio quality on that, as noted in our comment section, not great. Yeah, we so tried. Uh, we're gonna go back to our Craig Kimbrell deep dive here. That was more so uh, an initial reaction. Uh, hey, they signed Craig Kimbrell. That's pretty cool. So today wanted to really dive in depth to Craig Kimbrell, what he brings to the Orioles. You know the career stats. He's a nine-time All Star has won reliever of the year, AL reliever of the year, NL reliever of the year. But what are you really getting with Craig Kimbrell? First thing that jumps out to me is that you're going to get some ebbs and flows. Yes. He's going to be streaky. Mm -hmm. If you look at his 2023 season, it has kind of been defined by the knee-jerk reaction of the NLCS, which I understand the Big series for the yes. Phillies. They were the favorite team against the Diamondbacks. He did not pitch great in that series. But that's just kind of what you're going to get with Craig Kimbrell. If you look at his 2023 season, in April and March, he gives you a 409 ERA. In May, he gives you an ERA of 8. You're kind of like, uh-oh. June, a .69 ERA, a 138 in July. You're like, this is, this is the best pitcher alive. Oh, you're sitting there saying, you had me in the first half, not going to lie. Not going to lie. And now all of a sudden, he's the best pitcher alive. Then you go to August, and he gives you a 573 ERA. And you're yeah. going, well, season's over. This is terrible. Until we get to September, where he gives you a 150 ERA. He so was he's, it's going to be a lot of this. A bit of a roller coaster, that guy. Yeah. He keeps you on your toes. When he is on, he is one of the best relievers in baseball. When he is off, it's he's off. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There is certainly um, that. But grand scheme of things, if you were to pick one guy to be a Band-Aid one-year closer, potentially two with the option. Yeah. Um, until Michael Elias did say they were back. hopeful that this would be a two-year thing. Yes. Uh, they do have that option. I'd say Craig Kimbrell's the best option in that time frame. Yeah. Because you're getting a guy who has plenty of closing experience. He's got 400-plus saves. Could be on his way to Cooperstown kind of guy. He's going for 500, likely. Uh, he's won a World Series, like you said. He's had plenty of accolades to his name. This is a guy that is seasoned, uh, has seen the big lights. Whether or not um, you want to basically hang his entire reputation on last year's championship series is up to you. I wouldn't do that personally. No. Um, he was the closer for a World Series winning Red Sox team back in 2018. He's a darn good pitcher. Um and a guy that I think is going to be really valuable to this bullpen who also uh, grew a bunch of really strong pieces last year and is turning into a pretty formidable unit. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the postseason experience. He has pitched in 13 postseason series. He has pitched to a 450 career ERA, which isn't awesome, but he has had really awesome stretches within that. You mentioned the 2018 season. In the ALCS against Houston that year, he had three saves in that series. Yeah. I, he was locked out. Mm -hmm. So Craig Kimbrell was a huge asset there. And you mentioned that Kimbrell is probably the best option to be, a, you know, kind of a fill-in closer. And it seems like the Orioles thought that way too. From what Michael Elias said, they have been on Craig Kimbrell since the very beginning of free agency. Elias said that Kimbrell's agent was the very first phone call. It plugs an obvious hole on the team. And also noted that they brought him in to be the closer. This is more than likely not going to be any sort of competition in spring training. I know Yenier Cano can close some games, 
There are other candidates as well. Dio Hall, maybe Danny Coulomb in there. But the intention is that Craig Kimbrell is going to be your ninth inning guy. I mean, yes. maybe he faces the heart of the order in the eighth, like Michael Elias said. That's going to be up to Brandon Hyde. But Craig Kimbrell has been signed to be the closer. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, it's a really good move. Uh, and a guy who um, makes this unit one that, okay, like they have some pieces and turns it into, okay, that's a really solid bullpen. Absolutely. Um, you go to Coulomb to Cano to Kimbrel, and you have a really, really strong back half of a ball game. Uh, so I like what the O's have. 2023 season, he gives you a 326 ERA with 23 saves, 132 ERA plus, which is kind of like the pitcher yes. version of OPS plus. About 12 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The walk number's a little bit higher than his, you know, career marks. It gives you 3.7 walks per nine. But his peripheral numbers are really, really good. And Michael Elias mentioned, you know, outside of just the counting stats, outside of the ERA and the saves, Elias pointed to the fact that he showed us things that we thought were repeatable and sustainable. Because that's always the question with relievers. You're going to find volatility. It is really hard to find a reliever like Craig Kimbrell with such a track record of success. Because oftentimes in baseball, there's a reliever that will be excellent for a year or two, and they're not able to sustain that over a long period of time, which is one of the things that clearly impressed the Orioles. But when you're looking at his peripheral numbers, I think that's probably what you're pointing to as an indication of whether or not his success is sustainable. In 2023, he was in the 86th percentile in expected ERA, 95th percentile in expected batting average, 90th percentile in whiff rate, and 98th percentile in strikeout rate. Yeah, I was going to bring up that K rate. Yeah, those that, those play. That is the number that jumps out to you when you hop on that MLB Savant page, is yep. that he's striking out nearly 35 batters, or 35% of batters he sees. That's really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and something that I think when you talk about the peripherals and what Michael Elias said was uh, sustainable, I think that's probably what he's talking about. Now, Craig, you know, he's a two-pitch guy. He's throwing you a fastball, and he's throwing you a curveball. The fastball, still mid-upper 90s, and the curveball is still really, really darn good. Expected batting average on the fastball last year, or the real batting average on the fastball last year was 185. On the curveball, 175. He was really, really good. Uh, and did he have moments where he wasn't so good? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but the the positives were so positive that I think it's worth um, putting him in this situation. Yeah, and I mean, look, the fastball doesn't, pump like it used to. Yes, uh, he, correct. He was throwing 98-99 yeah. for a lot of years in Atlanta and Boston. It's going to sit around 96. Yes. It's still an effective pitch. His spin rate last year increased from where it was in 2022, a season that he struggled. So, you know, get him in the pitcher lab with the Orioles here. I think we're probably going to see that spin rate increase. It's still going to be an effective pitch, even if it's sitting at 96 mile an hour. Like you mentioned, he's a two-pitch guy. He's going to throw the fastball. He's going to throw the knuckle curve. The knuckle curve, harder than you would expect. Going to sit around 86 mile an hour. They're both really effective pitches. Kimbrel is at his best when his fastball is really, really effective. Last year, his fastball had a run value of about 10, which makes it you know kind of in the upper echelon of pitches in baseball. The knuckle curve was still really, really good. So if the fastball is working, then Craig Kimbrel is working. But as you mentioned, I mean, the positives were really, really good. There are some question marks with the peripheral numbers. 
But to me, they just mostly point to the fact that when he does get hit, which isn't very frequently, he gets hit hard. Yeah, I was going to say that. He's in the 20th percentile for average exit velocity, 13th percentile for barrel rate, 4th percentile for hard hit rate, and he's not going to get the ball on the ground much. He's in the 11th percentile in ground ball rate, which is, you know, kind of not the opposite of what we usually see from Orioles pitchers, but we have seen some Orioles starters especially come in and be ground ball guys. Kyle Gibson, a perfect example, where, you know, he works with the great defense behind him. Craig Kimbrell, it's probably going to be a lot of fly balls. It's going to be a good bit of line drives. The outfield defense is going to help him more than the infield defense is. And Kimbrell also in the 25th percentile in walk rate. I wouldn't read into those numbers a ton, because as you mentioned, the positives are so, so good that I think that just, you know, really outweighs kind of the negative peripheral numbers here. And if you look back to 2017, which was arguably his best season, he had a, I think a top 10 Cy Young finish that year, maybe even top five, arguably the best year of his career. He was in the first percentile in barrel percentage, exit velocity, and hard hit rate. Because nobody was really touching him, but when they did, and they like accidentally connected. The ball flew. It was it was going. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think that's a great point uh, because it's all about when he gets hit with those statistics. It's not every at bat or right. anything like that, like the K rate is and and stuff like that. So uh, I think that is a really good point. Now I will say this is kind of like you you alluded to. It's a little bit of an out of the box pick for the Orioles to add to their bullpen. You know, they don't usually pick the guy that has the higher walk rate or who's not as uh, ground ball heavy, like you said. So what that says to me is that this pitching staff thinks that they can uh, turn him into a guy that isn't walking guys as much. Now, I don't know what Craig Kimbrell's going to be like in terms of, you know, I've been an MLB veteran and I've got my stuff, but I feel like uh, a pitching staff like the Orioles have who has turned names that not many people have heard of into ones that could be perennial aces should have the ability to go in there and and make a real difference on his career towards the back end here. Yeah, well, a couple of points there. I think the first one being, you know, the the ground ball rate pitchers that we see with the Orioles are usually on the starting pitching side of things. there is that as well. They have not shied away from bringing in a high strikeout, high walk guy to the bullpen. That's exactly what Yenier Cano was. That's what Felix Bautista was before he debuted. That's what D.L. Hall has been over the course of his career. So I think they're more comfortable bringing in guys on the bullpen side that are high strikeout, even if the walk rates are a little bit higher. Starting pitching is where they're more so looking for guys that are going to get the ball on the ground, give you five, six innings consistently, even if the strikeout numbers aren't there as much. But in terms of Kimbrell, you know, kind of picking things up with the Orioles and not wanting to change his ways too awful much, I don't, I'm not going to put that narrative out there before, you know, we know that's the case. And I would imagine with Craig Kimbrell that this is a guy who is trying to make the Hall of Fame. And he he wants a championship. He is, he wants a championship. He is trying to, get to 500 saves. He is trying to, you know, improve his postseason numbers, all of those things that will help him get to Cooperstown. He's on a really good track right now. So I can't imagine that he comes to a team like the Orioles that have been really, really successful in molding pitchers into something even better. We've seen what they can do with guys like Kyle Bradish, Yenier Cano, Danny Coulomb, Felix Bautista. They see things that they can work on and improve upon them. I can't imagine that Craig Kimbrell isn't going to take anything he can 
that he thinks will help him get to Cooperstown. I agree. That he thinks will help him win games, add to his resume, yeah. you know, get some playoff saves, all of those things. I, I would have to imagine from what we have heard from Mike Elias, from Freddie Gonzalez about the kind of guy that Craig Kimbrell is, he's going to take whatever he can get to make himself better. Yeah, no, so I, agree. I I wouldn't worry about the whole, you know, he's a veteran guy. He's stuck in his ways. I, I think he's going to take what he can get. I think this is a perfect landing spot for him as well. A place where both you're going to get great pitching coaching and you have an opportunity to win a world championship. You're adding, you're adding yourself to a team that just won 101 games and with an injury to Felix Bautista, the only major hole is that closer. So something he can fill. And I think that he can show up and really add some value uh, to this bullpen and, and do it with whatever way possible. A couple of more stats with Craig Kimbrell that I thought were interesting that are worth pointing out here. He's got to throw first pitch strikes. In 2023, yes. there were 102 plate appearances in which the hitter went up 1-0. They had a 920 OPS in those situations with 20 walks and 20 strikeouts. Yeah. Which is really uncharacteristically high in a specific count, but apparently with Craig Kimbrell, I mean, getting the first strike across, and not that it's not always important, but for Craig Kimbrell especially, a 920 OPS hitters had when they went up 0-1 against Kimbrell. Yeah, I mean, to me that speaks to the the streakiness that we talked about a little bit before. Sure. When he's on, he's on, and he's going to dominate you in the box. And other times when maybe... Uh, he doesn't throw that first pitch strike. Things go a little bit differently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is he going to be streaky? For sure. But when he's on, he's absolutely on. And he can dominate hitters uh, pretty much any time out. Now, it's I, I agree with you. It's incredibly important. Command is something that is going to be crucial for him. Uh, so if the Orioles can improve that, I think that he can be even better than he was last year, even as he gets a year older. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, first pitch strike is crucial for him. A couple of other stats that I really liked with Craig Kimbrell. Michael Elias mentioned that he is kind of one of those closers that just likes the moment. Yes. He loves those high-level situations, the ninth-inning guy. With two outs and a runner in scoring position in 2023, Craig Kimbrell allowed a batting average of 0.83. I mean, that's what you want. Yeah. I that's mean, really you, you good. can't ask for anything more than that. A guy who loves the moment is going to go out there and he'll want to be in that moment more than anybody else, especially the batter. Uh, and he strikes fear into guys in the box. He does. And that's why he does that. He throws that arm out there. That's fear in a hitter's heart right there. Yeah. Another stat I liked, he doesn't have any dramatic righty-lefty splits. Yes. Which is really nice because, I mean, there, how many relievers are there around baseball? I mean, even with the Orioles. Brandon Hyde was really good last year of, you know, bringing in Danny Coulomb when two of the next three batters were left-handed hitters or, you know, bringing in Yenier Cano when two of the three next guys were right-handed hitters. You don't really have to worry about all that much with Craig Kimbrell. Did not have any dramatic splits in 2023. Righties had a 6-12 OPS and hit 179. Lefties hit a little bit better at 184 but had a worse OPS at 608. So you can toss him against whoever. If it's the heart of the lineup in the eighth inning, if it's closing down in the game in the ninth, doesn't matter if there's three lefties up against a right-hander in Craig Kimbrell. You can toss him against whatever hitter and feel confident that he's going to deliver. And that's, I think, what you should expect out of somebody of his caliber uh, who is, you know, 
hoping for 500 saves and a trip to Cooperstown. You shouldn't have to worry about splits when you're throwing out a guy like that. And if yeah. you have real confidence in your closer, that's just something that shouldn't even have to cross your mind. doesn't matter who's coming up to the plate or what he's bringing. You should be able to strike him out. And that's what I think the Orioles have in the confidence in Craig Kimbrell going into this season. Gave up 11 home runs in 2023. Only seven of them would have been home runs if he played all of his games at Camden Yards. I didn't look at that. <laughs> I like he, doesn't, he doesn't play all of his games at Camden Yards, but the left field wall is certainly going to help any pitcher. So Kimbrell, the home run numbers would have a little bit down. And probably the funniest stat about Craig Kimbrell, he does not give one singular gosh darn about the pitch clock. Yeah. He does not care about that thing. Led all of baseball in pitch clocks viol pitch clock violations this year with 13. Not one single hoot he cares <laughs> about the pitch clock. He is going to pitch at his tempo. He is J.K. Simmons from Whiplash. It is his tempo, and he will pitch whenever he pleases. Yeah. I don't know if that's a positive. I don't know, but I just <laughs> I think it's funny. He's going to be starting 1-0 at least 13 times if he keeps that and up. Everybody else below him, I, there wasn't another pitcher that had 12. I think the next highest was 11, and they just had like way more total pitches thrown yeah. on the season, and Craig Kimbrell's just sitting up there at the top with 13. Not a hoot. Yeah, he speak, he that about speaks that. about his personality on the mound for sure. Yeah. Um, only other thing, well, not one of the only things that I think – he also needs could improve on going into this year are the home road splits. Sure. Home, he had a two seven two ERA on the road a three nine nine, which isn't terrible. Which is kind of surprising too, because Citizens Bank Park, it, I mean, that's kind of a hitter's park. Yeah, but when you got that crowd behind you, I feel like it's hard to fail. Sure. Um, and similar to this crowd. Uh, so I think that that's something that I'm sure the Orioles would like him to improve upon as well. Um, but three nine nine is not horrible. But for a closer, you want that number to be closer to a 272. Sure. Um, so I think that's one thing we should look out for. But I, I feel I feel good about him in an orange and black jersey. I just yeah. do. And maybe just adjust to the pitch clock like a, a little. Yeah, just a little. A, a little bit. Yeah. Don't need 13 violations. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, no, I he like just, uh, maybe it's an intimidation thing. <laughs> just staring down a hitter going like, I'm going to pitch whenever I please. <laughs> Don't even care about the clock. Clock is stupid Got to me. Got his arm out the whole time. Arm out the whole time. You think he gets tired? I've thought about that a lot. I, as like, a person who holds a mic up and arm gets tired sure. all the time, yeah, I've got to imagine that it doesn't because he doesn't I mean, winter meetings, pitch. it was a lot of like holding the mic like this. And like, I mean, the amount of times he's just arm out like see how this. long we could do this for the rest of the podcast he's got to be great at lateral raises right i mean he has to be ripped his right arm has to be shredded. has to be i mean he's just got like an absolute boulder shoulder on his right side yeah just from lateral raises. i'm going as long as i can are you you're yeah. gonna keep holding it i'm gonna try at well, some point i'm gonna put it down and we're all right. gonna go wow that craig that Kimbrell, was really that was impressive <laughs> impressive from craig, craig Kimbrell comments hey, that was good yeah good work <laughs> that's good form right there let's talk about the bullpen construction we are not you know, at spring training yet. Still <laughs> Keep a straight own. face. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to try. Yeah. We are not at spring training yet. The Orioles still have moves to be made. So this is not a, you know, what the bullpen is most definitely going to look like going into the 2024 season. But thought it would be valuable to kind of look like, <laughs> sorry, I keep looking over and there's the arm. Thought it would be valuable to take a look at, I bet you are, to take a look at what the Orioles bullpen currently looks like. So my eight, as we stand right now, for the 2024 season, of course, you start with Craig Kimbrell as the closer. 
Yenier Cano is a lock. He was an all-star in 2023. He's going to be an elite setup man if he is not closing out occasional games for you. Danny Coulomb tossed a 281 ERA last year. That's that's your salad number three. CNL Perez struggled at the beginning of the year, tossed a 235 in the second half. That's four. D.L. Hall and Tyler Wells is where we get into the interesting conversation. There is a, a lockdown four that is very obvious right now. I am operating under the assumption from what we have heard from Mike Elias, from the rumor mill, from all of those things, that the Orioles will bring in another starting pitcher at some point this offseason. It's possible that they don't. It's possible that they don't find anybody that they think is a clear upgrade over Tyler Wells or D.L. Hall. But as we currently stand, I am predicting that both of those guys will be in the bullpen. D.L. Hall posted a 326 ERA in 18 games last year. Looked awesome down the stretch. Tyler Wells... I think he is probably in competition for that number five starter spot with D.L. Hall, but I think he gets the bump to the bullpen if the Orioles bring in a starter. That's six. Seven and eight get interesting as well. Dylan Tate is kind of a wild card. We yes. talked with Mike Elias about Tate, and you know they are hoping that he is going to be ready and healthy for the 2024 season. We haven't heard a ton about Tate. I mean, he was on the injured list for a while last year kind of lost track of where he was at and what he was up to. So Dylan Tate, I we are hopeful that it is going to be a healthy offseason, that he comes into spring training, looks like the Dylan Tate of old, and he was excellent in 2022. He's got a good track record. I think Dylan Tate nabs a bullpen spot. And then my final spot, as currently constructed with those seven guys, it was four right-handers, three left-handers. You don't necessarily need an even split, but... If it works out that way, would be nice to have another left-handed reliever in there. My finalists for that spot, Jacob Webb, Mike Bauman, Cole Irvin, Brian Baker, Keegan Aiken, Nick Vespi, Bruce Zimmerman. And to me, the one guy who stands out as a role that the Orioles still need with the seven guys that I had in there was a long man, which is Cole Irvin. Cole Irvin could give you three, four innings out of the bullpen. He can make spot starts for you. He also, not that the trade means everything, but you did give up a good piece in Daryl Hernandez to acquire Cole Irvin. He looked good down the stretch last year, giving you some spot starts. So Cole Irvin gets my final bullpen spot as kind of the long relief guy. Yeah, I think we're similar. Now, where I didn't go... Uh, was Dylan Tate, not because I don't think he has a chance to be a part of this bullpen, uh, but I'd like to see it first. Sure. Um, because we haven't seen the guy in a very, very long time. Um, we're very similar. Other than that, I just have Jacob Webb in there instead, just because I think the Orioles really like Jacob Webb. Everyday Jacob Webb. Um, Everyday but Jacob Webb. Otherwise, we're incredibly similar. Kimbrel Cano, Coulomb are... Uh, kind of your shutdown guy. CNL Perez, I thought, had a really underratedly strong year. Uh, a couple of really big performances in Houston. I really like what we saw from him. Uh, I'm running under the same assumption as you in terms of the O's acquiring a starter. So I've got both Tyler Wells and D.L. Hall in my bullpen and then a similar long man with Cole Irvin and Mike Bauman, Brian Baker, Keegan Aiken, Bruce Zimmerman, Nick Vespi, same guys uh, on the outside looking in. Yeah, so Jacob Webb, I think, is an interesting conversation because Jacob Webb was, what, he was a waiver claim yeah, last year and, of course, kind of leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth after his yes. postseason appearance, giving up a couple of home runs. But Jacob Webb was 
really, really solid for the Baltimore Orioles when he got acquired. A, th- a 369 ERA on the season, but that is a 398 with Los Angeles and a 327 with Baltimore. He was an arbitration-eligible player this year, and the Orioles elected to tender him a contract to excuse me to go forward with the arbitration process. Give you 25 games, the numbers weren't overwhelming, which is why I opted against Jacob Webb. The 327 ERA, solid. Nine and a half strikeouts per nine, not bad, but four walks per nine. I don't know if that 327 is going to be sustainable for Jacob Webb with the peripheral numbers. Yeah, and this this last spot that Bauman, Webb, Baker, Aiken, whoever could get it, that's probably what we're looking at in terms of a battle in spring training. Um, but I, I like what we got from Webb mostly because he was ready to go all the time. Sure. And he could be the first guy out of the pen all the time. Uh, and yeah, he gave up a couple of homers in the playoffs, but if you watch the games, you'll know that they were on a couple really good pitches. Um, and he good got process, pretty unlucky. Yeah. Um, so I think Webb is still a good player. Like you said, the walk numbers aren't lovely, uh, but he came up in some big spots and had a relatively low ERA, but um, you're right. We don't know what he's going to look like in a full season. We only saw him in 20-some innings. Uh, So that's definitely a question mark, but I got Jacob Webb in there. Yeah, Mike Bauman and Brian Baker fall under that category as well. There was, you know, of course, a little bit of a surprise towards the end of the season when Brian Baker made the postseason roster. He struggled towards the end of the year. Mike Bauman underratedly had a really nice season for the Orioles last year. year. 60 games, a 376 ERA, but kind of as is the case with Jacob Webb, eight and a half strikeouts per nine, four and a half walks per nine. The four and a half walks per nine, I think you could probably live with if the strikeout numbers were like 10 Ks per nine. Yes. But eight and a half walks per nine. Again, you're looking at guys that you think are going to be able to repeat the kind of production they gave you in 2022 because relievers are just always volatile. Yep. And with... The Craig Kimbrell conversation, it was, you know, look at the strikeout numbers, you know, look at the peripheral numbers. But with Mike Bauman, Brian Baker, too, the the peripheral numbers just don't inspire a lot of confidence despite pretty good ERAs. Yeah, I mean, all three of these guys, like you said, are pretty similar. And I think it's ultimately going to come down to who plays well in spring training. What do they think they need? Um, I don't think I've any of them really... Uh, rise up above the other. Um, In the conversation of lefties, I don't think that that's going to play in the favor of too many of the guys in that conversation, either Aiken, Zimmerman, whoever, just because we both have four lefties in our bullpen, right? Yeah. Hall, Coulomb, Perez, and Irvin. Yep. So there's already four lefties in there. Uh, You're going to want a decent balance, like you said. Not a lot of teams dealing with too many lefties, so maybe the Orioles are a little bit lucky with that problem. Uh, But I think these are three similar pitchers, uh, and... You know, I like Webb. Yeah, the interesting part of this conversation, too, Mike Elias kind of mentioned it briefly, but last year in the Orioles' bullpen, they were able to shuffle guys up and down from AAA in the majors really, really easily. They were able to go, oh, okay, you know, you pitched the last few days here, just go on down to the minors, you'll come back up in a little bit. But with the new rules of Major League Baseball, you have a fixed amount of minor league options. Yes. And I think the thing that is working in the favor of Mike Bauman and of Jacob Webb, as Eben on YouTube mentions, Mike Bauman 
out of minor league options. Yes. Which could give him a leg up to start the season at the big league level. Jacob Webb, out of minor league options. So Mike Bauman and Jacob Webb could work their way into, you know, the opening day conversation. This is, again, a kind of a conversation for down the line when we're getting into the intricacies of it. But Jacob Webb and Mike Bauman, neither of them have minor league options. Brian Baker has one minor league option left. Keegan Aiken has one minor league option left. Dylan Tate has two minor league options left. Dylan Tate, I don't know if you would be looking at as a, you know, kind of a back and forth from AAA to the majors kind of guy just because he is, you know, more established at the big league level. But if you are looking at somebody to start at the big league level versus guys that you could potentially start at AAA and go up and down a little bit, the guys with minor league options give you a little bit more flexibility. Because at the end of the day, this isn't going to be an eight-man bullpen for the entire season. This is going to be a probably 12, 15-man bullpen by the end of 2024. That's how the bullpens just always shake out. There's injuries. There's guys that you claim off waivers because you need innings. There's guys that get bounced back and forth from AAA to the majors. There's guys that get bounced out of the starting rotation. There's a a whole bunch of stuff that's going to happen. But with the Craig Kimbrell conversation specifically and kind of tying that back around... With what the Orioles need, it changes the equation a little bit for how you are looking at those 7th and 8th bullpen spots. I think that's why somebody like Cole Irvin benefits, honestly, from bringing in somebody like Kimbrell. Because now, all of a sudden, that's another high-leverage guy that you don't need to bring in. And now Cole Irvin and you know maybe somebody like Bruce Zimmerman or Nick Vespi, who can give you an inning or two, are all of a sudden in a better spot. Because yeah. you don't need as many high leverage guys there. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen game is one that, like you said, changes throughout the year. Right. Um, and I don't know. And, and the, the, the opening day bullpen will almost assuredly look different than the playoff bullpen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have tons of names to deal with here that, you know, I don't know what the heck they're going to do with them. The options do come into play. Um, but they definitely have something on their hands. Uh, in terms of this bullpen management. Yeah, and I mean, it's 10, 12 bullpen arms that you're looking at as as yeah. really solid options. I mean, even somebody like Nick Vespi has dominated AAA Norfolk in, in his career and hasn't really been able to carve out a spot at the big league level. Keegan Aiken had a really nice 2022. Didn't get to see him much last year. What kind of role could he potentially have going forward? So a lot of really good names to work with. And keep in mind that when we had this same conversation a year ago, we were not talking about Yenir Cano as a possibility because he seemed like a throw-in to the Jorge Lopez trade that wasn't going to give you anything. And Danny Coulomb was like, a, oh, yeah, I guess they traded for him. He's probably going to be in the open date bullpen. But neither of those guys were really, like, slam dunk. They are assuredly in the bullpen. I think right now you've got four of those guys, and there could be somebody like a Yenir Cano whose name we're not really mentioning down in the minor leagues that could work his way into this conversation. Joey Crable shows up and shocks the world. He could. He could. You never know. Another name, actually. Yeah. That could actually make the MLB roster. Yeah, it's given the Orioles a bunch of good innings over the years. But Craig Kimbrell is a Baltimore Oriole. It's true. Yeah. Exciting move for the O's, and we will see what they continue to do here in the offseason. We're going to be breaking it all down for you here Follow Mass and Orioles wherever you can. On Facebook, on YouTube, we put out a bunch of good content from winter meetings. Well, hopefully good. I guess you'll be the judge of that. But 
Make sure you are following along with all that stuff. We had exclusive interviews with Michael Elias, with Brandon Hyde, Sigma Dell, Eve Rosenbaum, Matt Blood. If you haven't checked out our winter meetings content, you should. You can follow along with us live on the Bird's Nest every Wednesday at 11 a.m., maybe 11.30 if we have technical difficulties. Or you can catch us after the fact on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts or your digital shows. You can find us here on the Bird's Nest. Make sure you're tuning into the Hot Stove Show every Thursday at 8 p.m. We've got a fresh Hot Stove Show coming at you tomorrow. Have I plugged enough things yet before we get off? I think you did. Whew. Goodness. Big thank you to Amy Jennings for producing this one behind the scenes. For Matt Bonaparte, I am Brendan Mortensen, and we will catch you next time.